0: We're going to open up our Bibles on Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, and it's on page 1042 on the Pew Bible. Let me find here. I'm sorry. Is that in Yes, I found it. Um, And the word of the Lord says, um, The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Here we all are. Good to see you all. We've made it. We've made it to the end of 2021, almost. I trust that we're going to make it the last little bit here in 2021. We made it to the end of our sermon series on Friday night and we have made it to church this morning, first day after Christmas. So that's Great, no small thing. I'm mindful of the fact that next year, Christmas falls on Sunday, as does New Year's Day. So we'll see how we do for attendance next year. Uh, But this year, here we are, here you are uh, this morning. The Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, it's always a bit of an awkward uh, Christmas for preachers because it's, it's like too late in the year to start. New sermon series, is too or too early in the year, right? What I'm getting my late and mixed anyway. You're right in this middle spot. It's awkward. It's like you're like a forgotten middle child when you show up on Sunday here with the between Christmas and New Year's. My brother used to say, who was a pastor for a while, he used to say that uh, the the Sunday between Christmas and New Year was Youth Pastor Sunday. That's what he called it. He said all the senior pastors go on vacation and then they leave their youth pastors to tend to sheep while they're gone. So but no youth pastor Sunday uh, for us today, here we are, and I was reflecting on how to approach this morning, and I decided that maybe it would be encouraging to do what we did at the end of our Hebrews sermon series. If you were here for that, when we concluded that sermon series, we uh, took the Sunday that followed the conclusion of the sermon series just to share uh, with each other about the ways that the Lord had has spoken to us during the sermon series, and so I thought Maybe we could do something like that this morning, something similar. We've spent two whole years of our lives moving through this story of the Bible, and it seems appropriate to take a moment uh, to mark that and to have some time of sharing. So we've got the microphones down in front, uh, like we did for the end of our Hebrews sermon series. And I'm going to give us an opportunity, we're going to give you an opportunity to share uh, this morning about maybe the ways that the Lord has spoken to you, Uh, maybe encouraged your heart, taught you through the sermon series. But maybe it's not something you've learned through the sermon series over the past couple years. Maybe it's just something the Lord has taught you that maybe is tangential to the sermon series, maybe not, maybe through the whole experience of COVID and uh, the unusualness of the last couple years. If the Lord has taught you something over the past uh, couple years and has spoken to your heart in fresh ways, then we're going to take some time uh, here uh, to share that this morning, so I'm gonna. So what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna preach just a little bit from Revelation 22:17, and share use that verse as a way of sharing what the Lord has taught me meaningfully uh, over the duration of the sermon series in the last couple years, and then I'm gonna turn the remainder of the sermon uh, over to you all and let you come up and share. So you be thinking about maybe what the Lord would put it on your heart to share, that would be encouragement here to us uh, in this congregation. All right, so Revelation 22, 17, maybe you have your Bible still open. If you don't, you can turn back there. Just one verse for us to look at. There's a number of things that one could say from this text, but I want to just really pick one aspect of it. I want to focus on the last thing that John says here. He says that the waters of life are without price. Here in this verse, John is speaking of the invitation that the Spirit and that the church issues to the world who is thirsty, inviting them to come and drink from the water of life. We saw Christmas Eve, if you were here for us on Christmas Eve, that the water of life is connected to the river of life. And the river of life and the water of life really are a continuation of themes of Jesus himself saying that he is the river of life, he is the, the spring of life, the spring of water that flows up to give eternal life. And the Bible uses the metaphor of water frequently throughout to describe uh, or to speak of our salvation and new life in Jesus. And so John here is telling us at the end of verse 17 that this water of life is without price. And the English expression without price could be interpreted to mean priceless, as in its value is so great you can't put a price on it. Or it can mean free, as in you don't have to pay anything for it. And the underlying Greek term means both things, but most especially the latter thing. The chief point of this term that's translated here without price is not simply that the water is valuable, that the water is free, it doesn't come with a cost, which is to say that the water of life is unmerited, it is unearned. Christians rightly talk about the love of God, and we should because the Bible is full of the love of God. But somehow we can talk about God's love and talk about God's love and talk about God's love, but God's love doesn't sink down deep into our bones, And how does that happen? How does it stand at a remove from us? What keeps us from really understanding the love of God in its fullness? I suppose there's all sorts of answers to that question. But I think for me, what I learned more than anything over the past couple years is that my capacity to experience the love of God is directly proportional to my ability to receive it as free and without cost. The love of God in our lives is like water flowing over a river rock if we don't accept it as free and without cost. It just stays on the surface of our lives, but doesn't penetrate down into the depths of our soul. Many of you have remarked to me over the last number of months how different I have seemed coming back out of my sabbatical. And if you've wondered what it is that has been sort of the, the key in all of that, it's, I think for me it's this point. I think over time I had forgotten what it meant to embrace the love of God as free and without cost. I hadn't just forgotten about the love of God. I'd I remembered the love of God, but the freeness of the love of God, the unmerited nature of the love of God. That's what I relearned over this summer, that I don't have to earn God's love through sacrifice. I don't have to earn God's love through obedience. I don't have to earn God's love through any action that I do to simply be his child. That is sufficient to justify God's love for me, his free love without cost. It's not to say that I don't have anything that I need to improve on or get better at. There's a lot of sanctifying work that remains yet in my life that needs to be done. But God's love for me in Jesus is the root or the ground of the whole Christian life. And if there's a second thing I learned, is right on the heels of the freeness of God's unmerited love. It's this, that God's free and unmerited love for us is the source of joy that fuels our lives and gives us strength for what God has called us to do. First sermon that I preached when I came back from my sabbatical was from Nehemiah chapter 8. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And where does joy come from? It comes from the love of God. But what about the love of God? It comes from the fact that the love of God is free and unmerited. It's given to us without cost. And I found myself over time living without sufficient joy because I wasn't living with sufficient awareness of God's free and unmerited love without price. And I, my, my deep longing for myself, for all of us here, for Calvary, for all those that I know and love, is that we would come to experience the true free and unmerited love of God in a way that brings deep joy into our lives to cease from all the faithless striving and fearful retreating, to cease from all the selfish violence and self-protective withdrawal, to quit all the vain drinking from all the empty wells of this world, to simply rest, to rest and be anxious for nothing, Because the unmerited, all-sufficient, protective, fatherly love of God is at hand. To simply live with joy that transcends our circumstances. And we can live with joy that transcends our circumstances. True, not fake, shallow joy, but we can live with deep, profound joy that transcends our circumstances. Because the truth is that God freely loves us and cares for us unconditionally. That he takes care of us. That he takes care of me. And I'm not too proud to say that. I need the love of God. I live by the love of God. I flourish by the love of God. I am cared for, taken care of by the love of God. And it's in the knowledge that God loves me and cares for me that I can find peace and joy regardless of my circumstances. So if you ask me about the most important things I've learned over the past two years, it's this. God loves me deeply and eternally with a love that is free and without cost. And that his love is the source of joy that precedes and empowers the life to which he calls me, even when that life and that calling at times may be very difficult.